0: To the Aztec Domination Podcast. Here are your hosts, both of them, Aztecs for Life, David Furman, and David's Co's, the official real estate partner of San Diego State Aztec Jeffrey Goodall. podcast david Furker joined by john kegley this evening how are you doing tonight john vegas bowl champions baby you know it and it didn't really play out that well for the houston cougars so here is a short clip from the houston cougars press conference featuring their starting tight end they beat the crap out of us we didn't show up we did next year the way we to I thought we prepared well, we prepared hard. Obviously, it wasn't good enough. Um, I just hope moving forward, that they, can, they understand that they should never want to feel like this. They should hopefully look at all of us and see how I was just, I just got done crying. Hopefully, the underclass will see that and understand that going forward, you just got to be better. Yeah, man. So, he said it perfectly. They beat the crap out of them. Wouldn't you agree with that, John? Oh, yeah, man. After that first quarter, it was like night and day. <laughs> The blitzes, the interceptions, the hits, we totally ruled that game. Yes, sir, and it was an amazing feeling, especially driving up that morning to attend the bowl game. I know we had a ton of fun. Um, We were very excited by the news we heard in the parking lot that the Houston second-string wide receiver who was leading the team in touchdowns was suspended for a curfew violation. So that was a nice way to start the day off, but getting in there, getting our great seats that you got on StubHub that were really, really good, um, was just a heck of a game. So let's start this recap here in the first quarter. John, take it away. How do you think the first quarter went for the for the Aztecs? Um, it went pretty bad. Um. We kept getting pinned down inside our own 20 based because of sacks and stuff, and then punting the ball to our own 50-yard line wasn't helping. It was interesting. I mean, Tanner Blaine usually punts way better than that. He was, wasn't having a good first quarter. And that Houston D-line, man, they were fast off the ball. Those guys were tall. They were big. They were fast, and our O-line was not ready. We were getting sacked. We couldn't even do a play action. We would do a play action. The guy's already in in our face and Rocky pointed it out. We'll talk about that when we talk about the second quarter about how they adjusted, but Rocky pointed out that they weren't ready for that speed. But (coughs) defensive wise, the defense didn't play that bad. They had one bad drive and that was a 72 yard drive for a touchdown. Other than that, the field goal was because of a bad punt and most of the other times they had good field position, and we forced them to punt. So defensive-wise, they played good. Offense, it was bad first quarter. <laughs> As John is saying, yes, offensively, it was god-awful. If you guys checked out my game recap on com, titled Aztecs, Route, Cougars, 34-10 in Vegas Bowl, you'll know what we are talking about. As I stated, everything that could go wrong for the Aztecs in the first quarter did go wrong. The first four drives went something like this. Punt, 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 punt. So as John said, Tanner Blaine, he had four punts in the first quarter of the game. And that's not how you want to start off a bowl game, especially against a big team. And if you take a look at those, those four drives and you put them together... The Aztecs ran a total of 16 plays, gaining 18 yards. (laughs) So, a little bit over a yard per play. That was awful. And, you know, Pump ended the first quarter with negative one yard on the ground. So, it was just, just all in all really bad. And you know what they say about college football. College football is technically a game of field position. And whoever has the better field position wins. And the Aztecs, you know, their average starting field position was their own 23-yard line compared to the Houston Cougars' 33-yard line. So that's that was something that I thought was big. Um, and the Cougars also started one drive at the Aztec 38, which was one of the field goal scoring plays. But as John said, the Aztec defense, they played a hell of a first quarter by holding the Houston Cougars to only 10 points, which was, which is really, really good, holding them to a field goal and then that one touchdown. Who would have thought that the Aztecs were going to hold the Cougars to 10 yards the entire game, not only just in the first quarter, but that was definitely something to watch. So moving on, the second quarter of the game, the Aztecs finally started to light up, and it was it was pretty interesting. Think again, because John got us seats that were so close to the sidelines we could basically see what was going on, and there was a nice little fight between offensive linemen. Wouldn't you agree with that? <laughs> I think that was yeah. because you can go. Yeah, the uh, one of our offensive linemen was walking off the field, and a Houston guy pissed him off. And he was trying to fight the Houston player, and when one of our players comes over to tell him, you know, hey, man, you got to keep your head in the game. Don't be messing around with it. Don't be getting us penalties. And the, so then the, uh, he starts shoving him, and they're shoving each other in the face. And before you know it, we have a civil war on our own sideline, man. And, I mean, it sounds like a bad thing, but that's just two guys ready to compete that are just into the game that care. I mean, if they, if you didn't see that, I mean, that usually means the team doesn't care and they're just rolling with whatever happens. We get beat, we get beat. If I'm getting destroyed, who cares? But they were taking pride in this game and that fight is an example of it. And that wasn't the only fight that we've had in the game. As you know, for those of you that watched it on TV, Bob, oh um, God, I'm butchering his name again. Uh, Brent Messberger, Mooseberger, the announcer, who's one of my favorite announcers, he even had a really funny thing in the third. When the, all those interceptions kept coming in, there was another fight between Sergio Phillips. And I think it was Alex Barrett. And apparently his quote was, you know, guys, this is an early Christmas present. You're getting all these picks. You're winning huge. Why are you fighting? And he goes on to say, you know, they fight in practice like that all the time. But that just shows how tough the Aztecs really are. But I think, as John said, you know, that is toughness. That is them showing a fight that we haven't seen many Aztec teams over the, the long-haul show, which is why they were able, I believe, to get back into this game. <coughs> um, but with stellar field position, the Aztecs had a really, really good, good few drives to get their six points on the board. Lucky drives, Lucky drives as John likes to say. Um, yes. oh, yeah. Dude, how, how many of those drives were continued by a bobbled, somehow caught, third down catch by either a fullback or a tight end? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then we had a uh, running into the punter penalty by their stud um, defensive nose tackle. So that was, that was another thing. Yeah, we, we got lucky. Remember Nick Bodden? He was like, it was like juggling before he caught that sucker. He got it hit off his hands, over his head, and he's somehow able to bounce off a hit, turn around, catch that ball, and get the first down, which later turns into a field goal. And you're just like, okay, like Bon must be in Vegas, somewhere singing that we're living on a prayer right now because we're like <laughs> literally just barely keeping these drives alive. Boom, <coughs> boom. You know it. You know, that was <laughs> that was hilarious. There's my weak sound effect that we talked about in the car ride on the way back. But it was amazing. And Pumphrey finally came alive. He came out of his shell in the second quarter of the game, totaling 59 yards on six carries, a nice little 9.8 yards per carry average there, including his longest run of the game to that point in time, a 30-yard run. So that was really nice. And, you know, That was the first quarter the Aztecs have won. So, you know, me and John, we like to break it down like this. We break it down into quarters. It's not about the entire game. So in the first quarter, the Houston Houston Cougars won the first quarter. The Aztecs then came back and they won the second. They showed how dominant they could be on the run. They finally got that moving. And they they capitalized on mistakes and were able to get three points off of that uh, running into the punter penalty so that was huge for the aztecs and from there man it was just there's just no looking back the aztecs it was just like a snowball effect like it was one little <coughs> tiny snowball that was like got a little bit bigger but still kind of small then once the second half second half happened that snowball became huge oh yeah so as john was saying earlier rocky long went into halftime and he specifically said you know they looked a lot quicker than our guys they played a lot faster than our guys and you know that's just something that you have to get used to you know Houston was fast the Aztecs don't play that many teams that are that quick on the on the line that were also running stunts and blitzes but that is something that you can get used to in the second half of a game when you can go through halftime you can look at a little bit of the tape and then you can fix and mold your team how to how you need them to play, and I think that is why Rocky Long is such a good coach. He's able to see what changes he can make to make his team better, and he definitely out outcoached uh, Applewhite in the second half of this game, and it's not even close. And um, the team, team, the team, the team, as Coach Fisher likes to say, it's the damn team. You know, they're the ones that are going to win it, not Rocky. Rocky's going to create the coaching strategy, but it's at the end of the day, it's the players on the field that are going to win the game, not the coaching staff. It is up to the coaches to put the players in position to win, and as long as you have that formula, you can only blame players after that. And, that is... and the, the Aztecs have one of the best coaches at playing the chess match of taking what happens in the first half and improving themselves into the second half, and that's why this program is where it is. Right now, and you got players that care as much as this team does, it shows exactly what can happen. And this Houston game is by far a great example of it, just like the Wyoming game in the Mountain West Championship. Exactly what you just said, John. You know, it was amazing. They, they did a, a really good job. And, you know, that defense of Rocky Longs, they really came to life in the third quarter of this game. And here are a few stats I just like to interject here before we go into the third, you know, from the end of the recap, so I don't forget to say them later, but the Aztecs, I think we know how to make turnovers, create turnovers. We are the best team in the nation in turnovers created or taken away or made or however the heck you want to say it. The Aztecs have, gosh, where is it? 63 turnovers since 2015 yeah over the last two seasons the Aztecs have forced an FBS leading 63 turnovers over the last two years that is a friggin' phenomenal statistic and the Aztecs have also had more interceptions this year than any other team in the nation so you know you don't throw on the Aztecs or do you that's the one question You throw at Ron Smith. That's the one Aztec that you go after. That's the one Aztec that I love to hate. As everyone who listens to this podcast knows, I hate Ron Smith. Yeah, we all know. I hate Ron Smith. Wyoming uh, Wyoming podcast, all you ever hear is, I'm scared to see what Wyoming's going to do to Ron Smith. And then Houston podcast, I'm scared to see what Houston will do to Ron Smith. Well, Ron Smith kind of answered that in the third quarter. I think Ron Smith heard our freaking Houston podcast there, buddy. And he said, man, Ferker, F you, buddy. I'm surprised he didn't didn't figure out where you were in the stands and go over and give you a game ball be like, yeah, don't judge me again. And that was Jeffrey Goodall's bold prediction last week. was freshman cornerback Ron Smith was going to get a pick six. And little did we know. That freshman, Ron Smith, was going to get a 56-yard pick six to the house. Did we, John? Oh, my God. I was shocked when I saw it. I was like, oh, who got that pick six? I was like, oh, my God, dude, that's, that's Smith. That's the freaking freshman. Oh. Yeah. And he's not even that fast, and he outran all the Houston players, man. Yeah, man, that was one heck of an interception. And luckily for all of you Aztec fans out there, I did cut a good highlight video, which is getting a lot of love on our social media so far. Over, I believe it is over 1,200 hits so far on the Aztec Domination Facebook page. But uh, here is the call on the pick six. He's been the most explosive playmaker, receiver. He's getting a lot more touches. Third and two. We're going to down. Ron Smith, pick six. More interceptions than any defense in the country. And right now, putting on a clock. Fantastic job of film study and recognition by formation here by Ron Smith on third and short. Anticipating the quick wide receiver screen, he's able to split the receivers, but nobody blocks him. He runs right by two Houston Cougars, and the guy that's been picked on in the secondary all season long for San Diego State comes up with a massive pick six. This defense now in the left, so, he's been the most explosive playmaker and receiver. He's had a lot of touchdown. So, that was your call on the pick six, Brent Musberger. And his co-captain, I should say. You know, the Aztecs just dominated with picks. And I believe one of your favorite players of all time also had a pick in the third quarter. Yeah, his pick happened before the Ron Smith one, though, man. First, we had Cameron Kelly dropping an interception. You're just like, oh, is it going to be that type of game? Like, did we just get all the momentum in the second quarter just to drop picks? And later on... Kelly ends up getting an interception, but Aztecs do nothing with it. Houston punts. Calvin Munson gets an interception, and it leads to the Donnell Pumphrey 39-yard touchdown run that gave us the lead, which was then followed by Von Smith pick six. And from there on, you're just like, this could happen. This could happen. And our own David Farreker here says, we are about to blow out the Cougars. And – Our own John Kegley over here is like, Ferker, shut the hell up. That's not going to happen. Stop being so so damn cocky. Cockiness kills this team. That's why we lost the first Wyoming game. Cockiness kills this team. Do not be part of it. (laughs) And Little did you know, man, that third quarter went the ass-hex way. That's for sure. And the Houston Cougars had four drives, and they started a little bit like this. Interception. Cameron Kelly. Interception. Calvin Munson, interception, Ron Smith, punt, 32-yard touchdown, down on Pumphrey. It's that simple. Three straight interceptions to start drives. You know, that's just something you don't even you don't even hear. And I was stunned when they said that was the Aztecs captain, Calvin Munson's first interception of the season. I was like, huh? That homie had a ton of picks last year. But then when you think about it. You know, he leads the team in tackles by 40-plus. It's not even close. And that 100. was – Yes, that was one heck of a stat. <coughs> I do believe we have um in our little – There's a lot of boats to sink, man. <laughs> Dang, where is it? In our little stat recap, <coughs> I don't think we have the statistic, but I think he became, like, just the, the eighth or ninth player in San Diego State history to have 300 or more – Tackles in a career. So that's a pretty, pretty substantial thing. You know, Pumphrey's run, that was a big deal. But that also came with an amazing catch. So I think we should all hear that Pumphrey catch and that Pumphrey touchdown. Yeah. Let's see here. Let me tee it up for everyone. <coughs> to what they do in the running game. Let's help keep this offense on schedule. Play action. Better get rid of it. What a catch! Twisted in the sideline to of Humphrey. Oh my goodness. There's an example there of Christian Chapman with the awareness of where his outlet receiver is. He's gonna to go to the left with this. He had a cut. Humphrey, a back shoulder, Shoulders throw one-handed grab with the left arm. Did he get that foot down in time? Check this out again. He gets elevated, catching the left hand. Which foot touches first? Yeah, it's the left, left one first. That's a catch. 26 yards, an NFL take note. That's a third down back play right there. That's big time. First down and 10. Comes up the middle, cuts back, look out. Headed for the end zone. Now Humphrey. 32 yards. Needs 108. Pop's loving it. Underdog fights back. All week long at the South Point. That was Houston money showing. The underdog. Uh, is howling in Vegas. You know it the Aztec underdog was howling in Vegas all right. But if you wanted to be politically correct on the scoring, it would be your two field goals and then Pumphrey's thirty two yard touchdown and then Ron Smith's pick six. But it really doesn't matter at this point. You know, we won thirty four to ten and it was one heck of a game. And man to know Pumphrey he is the best To ever play, in my opinion. Many others probably wouldn't agree with me, but it is what it is. So, John, let's wrap up this third quarter. Do you have anything else to add besides the Aztec offensive line started killing it? They started opening some holes, and the Aztec defense played some light out football. Nope, that pretty much explains the whole third quarter. I mean, we dominated that quarter, and I think the whole team started to believe after that. They started really. Getting into the moment, and you could just see, when you watch the fourth quarter, you can see it. Those guys were flying all over the field, running around after sacks and tackles. They loved it. So, fourth quarter it is, folks. Y'all know what this means it means one thing and one thing only. Let's roll the film. Here we go. The toss to it. Can he get the edge? He tries, get it, record time Donnell Coffrey smashes the record They'll take that football off the field 15-yard run establishes the new record so man, it was a pleasure and an honor to be there with you at this game to see them to see him break the all-time NCAA rushing record passing Ron Dane. And it happened right in front of us, dude. Like it wasn't like way down the field on the opposite side from us. It happened right in front of us. We had a great view of that and to watch the all the Aztecs on the sideline went swarming after him after the end of that run, especially when they announced 15-yard run by Donnell Plumfrey. They all swarmed him, and they those guys were so happy for him. Man, that's a team right there. Now let's hear the audio from what John just said. Here's the video from our seats. Was a short little little clip but you kind of y'all get the picture It was right literally as john said right in front of us the ball was on the 30 yard line and our seats were uh, what would you say the 33 or 34 so it slept yeah. right around where we were sitting so that was that just that was the icing to the cake or the cake to the icing whichever way you want to see it you know we are Aztec fans. I'm an Aztec fan. I didn't think we were gonna win this game. I thought if we did, we were gonna win by three. I came to Vegas not only to see the Aztecs play, but to see Pumphrey break that record. And to me that was that was all I needed to see. And then the Aztecs proceed to blow out the Houston Cougars. And it just made that day so much better. <laughs> Oh, man, like, I don't know about you. I mean, you, uh, seeing Pump Free break the record was awesome, but I love watching Munson run around the field just sacking that quarterback, man. Like, uh, Houston had a fourth and one, and they run the quarterback draw option play, and here comes Munson to tackle him. And you just see Munson flying around that the field after stopping him, man. And first play after that was a touchdown to Curtis Anderson. Like after that, you're just like, oh my god, dude! Pumphrey broke the record, and we're gonna win this game. Like, what could be even better? Well, what could be even better? Back scoring a touchdown, run to seal the deal. No, man. What could be even better is the Aztecs absolutely destroying, obliterating, murdering the Houston offense, and that is exactly what the boys did. You know, they only gave the Aztec offensive line only gave up two sacks. You know, those two sacks are both within, like, the first 30 seconds of the game. And they didn't Same give sack. up 10 tackles for loss. It is what it is. But the big number for your San Diego State Aztecs, seven sacks. And let's go down the line, shall we? One for Kyle Kelly. One for Rodney Laka One for Calvin Munson. Half a sack for Austin Wyatt Thayer. 1 sack for Alex Barrett, 1.5 sacks for Jay Henderson, and 1 sack for Noble Hall. That is a hell of a day on defense with 7 friggin' sacks. And then we could even go tackles for loss. Kyle Kelly won. Rodney Laka Laka won. Calvin Munson won. Malik Smith won. Austin Wyatt Thayer, half a tackle. Alex Barrett, 2. Dakota Turner, 1. Jay Henderson, 1.5. Noble Hall, 2. The Aztec defense finished with 11 tackles for loss, which is just phenomenal, man. They had 85 total team tackles. The Houston's 59. And, you know, there's just nothing I can say about this game. They played phenomenal. Ron Smith, 10 total tackles. Kyle Kelly, 10 total tackles. Baldwin, 9. Laka Laka, 9. Munson 8, KZ 5, Smith 5, Thayer 5, Barrett 4, Turner 4, Phillips 4, Henderson 3, Hall 2, Cameron Kelly 2. And that's basically all you need to know about that. They played a hell of a game on defense. And if you're on ESPN, or if you're on Go Asics, they are wrong with the statistics. It says, Kyle, it says, Cameron Kelly, one interception. He had two picks. They credit Marcus Stamps with an interception, and that is inaccurate. I have gone back and I've watched the game five times, and I can guarantee you that Cameron Kelly had two interceptions. So don't quite believe what they have on the stat line. Uh, John, what did you think about that defensive performance of that entire game? Oh, dude, I... I didn't expect it to happen, honestly. I thought this would be a high-scoring, back-and-forth game. I didn't expect us to hold up to 10 points, have four interceptions, and seven sacks. It was just amazing. It's like you wait all that time for your team to make like a, this really big, huge performance against a big team, and you finally get to see it. You don't believe it's happening. And just, like even the big hits, like what, a Houston player would catch a ball, and here comes an Aztec player to fly and hit him, and there goes a Houston guy flying through the air. Like, they were getting these guys airborne as they were hitting them. Like, they weren't just making tackles, interceptions. They were dominating these guys. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, man, that wasn't even freaking close. So, I don't know where the Vegas voters were, or why they thought that the Aztecs weren't going to win that game, but... They made Houston look silly. I didn't and even. We saw Marshawn Lynch and Brett Musburger get inducted into the Las Vegas Bowl Hall of Fame. Marshawn Lynch was there for Pumphrey. Do, do you think Pumphrey's going to be in the Las Vegas Bowl Hall of Fame now since he had one of the biggest upsets? He's from Vegas. Oh, hands down. And broke the record down. on that field in the game. Hands freaking down. Yes, he will be a (coughs) dual-ballot Hall of Famer in my eyes in the Las Vegas Bowl history books. You know, all that adversity that he had to break through, you know, negative one freaking yard at the beginning of the first quarter, then he ends the game over six yards a carry? Like, come on. He ended exactly six yards per carry is how he ended the game. 19 carries, 115 yards, 6 yards per carry, 1 touchdown. Like, come on. That was phenomenal. There's nothing else that, that I could really say about that. Like, he just did I one. Think Penny could get through that line, man. Like, even Penny was having a rough day, and Pumphrey still was able to go out there and pull up over 100 yards against the third-ranked rushing defense. So I'm I mean, gonna go it's even easy further. To know where you stand. Okay, you just heard ESPN it's blah blah blah. I'm gonna go even further. Do you know so the three games that Houston has lost in terms of you know like rushing teams that have beat them? You know, so SMU and Navy were the only two teams that have a hundred yard rusher against them. John, can you guess how many yards each rusher had against them from Navy or SMU, what the leading rusher had? 109? No, 115. All three teams that have, that beat Houston with over a 100-yard rusher all ran for 115 yards apiece and one touchdown apiece. As did Pumphrey. As did Pumphrey. But let's look at the carries. Navy, W North, 32 carries, 115 yards, one touchdown. So Pumphrey, better yards per carry average than him. <coughs> to achieve. SMU, running back, 18 carries, 115 yards, one touchdown. So, he's he had one carry less than Pumphrey. And that's just how it breaks out. So, that shows you how good of a game Pumphrey had. And a lot of people, a lot of butthurt fans out there saying, Oh, Pumphrey's not that good. Oh, the Aztecs didn't do crap. The Aztecs beat a shitty Houston team. Like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. John, you heard me right. People are saying... Somebody called this Houston team bad? Yeah. This Houston team beat Oklahoma and absolutely destroyed the Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. Like, how are you going to say this Houston team is not good? Um, let me think. Boise State fans. Oh, they're bad because they couldn't win the Mountain West Championship and they're going to be up against Baylor. Oh, how cute. (laughs) Yeah, they're all complaining about it. Saying, oh, man, Aztecs beat a really shitty Houston team, so you can't really speak much about that. And I'm sitting here and thinking. beat Air Force, so we could. That's why we're back-to-back Mount West champs. Exactly. But, you know, that game was amazing. It was really cool to be there with you. And then at the end of the game, they had a lot of fans on the field. I didn't buy it. So John, John was like, screw you, I'm going. I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not getting arrested. And then once I figured it out, okay, okay, I'll come down. We were taking photos with players, talking to players after the game. It was just a really cool experience to get to be on that same field with them. We captured a funny video of Malik Smith dancing. You all can check that out on the Aztec Domination Pod cast Facebook page or the San Diego Sports Domination Instagram. It's on there. Uh, Malik Smith sent us back a very funny gif. John Cena salute gifts I almost died laughing I thought it was pretty hilarious but you know that was just one hell of a game and in our group on Facebook which you can all go to if you aren't already in it the official SCSU student run fan page for football um, we have a poll that is currently running and that poll is what was the most important or biggest game in the history of San Diego State. And John, many people believe that was this Las Vegas poll. What do you think what do you think about that? Um it's it's hard because most of the people voting are probably students as well, so I mean they don't get to see the old day games. So I mean it's kinda of hard to judge that poll, but it this game definitely deserves to be considered one of the best games in SDSU football history and probably one of the most important. I mean, this program was pretty bad for a while. And then to come all the way back from that to winning against a really good Houston team, having a running back that becomes the all-time leading rusher, and you, your defense that had been dominant all year gets to prove itself against a really good offense, it's it's hard not to give this game that vote, but I voted twice in that poll just for the record. Oh, I voted for the you also. You're only supposed to vote once, fool. And I'm not even voting because I'm running this and I gotta be an objective journalist where everyone is gonna vote with me. I, I honestly couldn't choose, man. I mean, but, that 1977 Florida State game. I mean, they beat number 13th ranked powerhouse Florida State 41-16 to 16, which... We played nobody, really, that was ranked this year. But, John, do we need to go back and say hashtag Cal game? That Cal win was, in my opinion, that that was a very good win. But there are a ton of other wins that I can think of that really have elevated the program. And that first one was that win at Boise on the Smurf turf in a very close game. And ever since then, the Aztecs have been very dominant. In the Mount West Conference. That game was huge. We played Air Force, I believe. It was either 09, 010, 011. Back when I first started State. And they were ranked. And they came into Qualcomm. And we beat them. And that was the first time we had beaten a ranked opponent in a very long time. But, you know, it's, it's just up in the air. It really is. You know, this Houston game, as John said, you know, it just happened. That doesn't mean much. The Florida State game in 1997. Yeah? We peaked. That was probably the best team in the history of San Diego State, but what happened after it? <laughs> Aztec football went downhill. So that's going to be the big one with this Houston Las Vegas Bowl. Is we need to make sure that Aztecs do not go downhill, that they come back and they fight. You know, as Bob said during the game, if you've listened to it, you know the Aztecs have a chance to open some eyes next season with their schedule. And the Aztecs are playing the home game against Stanford. You know, I bet it wasn't easy to get Stanford on that schedule. The Aztecs also go to ASU. The Aztecs will host the blue Smurf Turfers from Boise State. So that will be a very good game. That, I would like to say, (coughs) is our rivalry game, in my opinion. I don't give a crap about Fresno State. And we played Boise so so close, so tough in football in recent history. And then in basketball, too. Like those, We've been the only two that have been big time competing against each other of late in the Mountain West Conference. And we're Big East buddies. We both jumped out of the Mountain West together went to the Big East. So, you know, that's the big game. The Aztecs will also play New Mexico and Air Force next season. <coughs> so we'll see what the Aztecs are made of. Those are five teams that normally have winning records. And many of the haters this year said the Aztecs could not beat a team with a winning record. The Aztecs only had two victories against teams with winning records, one being Wyoming and one being Houston. So, Technically you know, three, but one doesn't count. What, oh, New Hampshire? New Hampshire was eight and four. Yeah, I'm not counting New Hampshire because they're not a legitimate Team. They're not FBS. In my mind they suck. But, you know, that is that's how it goes, you know. So, what else do you have to say about this game before we wrap up the entire season and talk a little bit about next? To be on the field after the game, man. I don't know how many people listening were there and I got to go on the field afterward, but to be on the field around that trophy celebration with the confetti coming down you watching Pumphrey get the host up the MVP trophy and the Vegas bowl trophy and watching Rocky talk to some of the players going, Hey, once I grab this trophy, I'm going to give it to you. And you have to run around the field with it, man. Like there's no way to put that in words. That was just an amazing feeling an amazing experience. Like I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I know you wouldn't either to be there. For that historical moment, that historical game, and to be able to witness it up close—not from the—not be in the stands watching the trophy celebration—to be up close, getting to, you know, like say bye to Munson because he's gonna be going to the NFL. You know, like it was just an amazing feeling. I'd would, I wouldn't trade it. You wouldn't? No. I would. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you're weird. You like weird stuff. You like uh, you would trade, you would trade that for a Klondike bar. So, actually, I would trade that for a Rose Bowl victory next year. Mm. <laughs> I don't see us getting into the Rose Bowl even if we went undefeated because they love the Pac-12 Big Ten matchup. Man, but I would trade. I would trade that for a Cotton Bowl next year. I would trade that for a New Year's Six Bowl next year. That is in driving distance of us. Uh, so the Fiesta Bowl. Yep. I don't know, because usually any <laughs> power five pool only make it to the Cotton Bowl, and that's not driving distance. Way to put a damper on a man's hopes and dreams, Jane. John. You really are. You're acting like James now. Are we there yet? But um, we had an amazing road trip. Y'all will hear about it. <laughs> um, that's for sure. Right now, I am... Looking up some Ron Dane statistics. Is we gonna do a little bit of a ProCon argument here. So, John, who is the number one running back in NCAA history? Um, I would say that running back from Oklahoma that ended up quitting early because of Barry Switzer, Marcus Dupree. You're not gonna go Pumphrey? Well, Based on stats, it'd be Pumphrey, but Marcus Dupree was amazing. You couldn't stop that guy. I think if he played all four years, he's the leading rusher all time. We're talking stats like a thousand here. By like 1,000 yards, but as Pumphrey was mentally able to uh, take four years of football, unlike Dupree was, you got to give it to Pumphrey. And this is for all of you Pumphrey haters out there. We know there are some. Um, wouldn't you agree with that John well if you ain't got haters you ain't doing something right so congratulations Pumphrey you got haters you were achieving your goals in life so I would like to provide some very nice statistics to everyone so those people who think Ron Dane was better Ron Dane never ran behind another running back that had a thousand yards Never in his career at Wisconsin did he run with another 1,000-yard back. Pumphrey, four years at San Diego State. How many times do you think he ran behind or with a fellow back who had 1,000 yards? Four times? Yeah, that's most likely my guess. But I'm going to look it up just so that we're correct. I know it is two years in a row. 2015. Chase Price, 1,000, 14, 1. Okay, so three years, it looks like. Price didn't make it to the 1,000-yard mark in 2014. But that's still more, considerably more than Ron Dane did. So, like, we could go on all night about Ron Dane this, Ron Dane that, I still think that Pumphrey is by far the better player. Um, and If you wanted to continue that argument, you could. You could say, look, Pumphrey played 200 less snaps, or he had 200 less handoffs than Dane did. That's documented. That's correct. You could then go, how many games did Pumphrey sit out? If you calculate all of the fourth quarters that he missed because they didn't want to put him in, he missed about five games which could have gotten him 750 to 1,000 yards easy had he played in those five, As considering or assuming he's going to get 150 yards per game. So it's just, it's there's a huge difference. And as John knows, we also saw it at that game. Penny and Pumphrey became the first ever 2,000 and 1,000-yard running back duo, which was just absolutely amazing. And this year, Pumphrey became the first player in the history of college football to have over 5,000 yards rushing and 1,000 receiving. So that that complete, <coughs> completely ends my point about that. But, you know, it was an amazing game. It's been an amazing season. The Aztecs finished the season, if you're completely clueless, at 11 wins again. So that's their second straight 11-win season. And according to the SDSU Athletic Department, that is the first time in the program's 94-year history that STSU has had back-to-back 11-win seasons. That is tying the program best 11 wins. So next year, can we see a possible 12? I don't think so. It's going to be tough. It's going to be rough. I think their schedule is going to be really hard, man. But here's the, here's the upside to it, though. With the players we have coming in, If we somehow miraculously come out of our non-conference schedule undefeated. Oh, they'll roll. I'm just saying if that miraculously happened, the Aztecs could be up for some big things towards the end of the year. But, man, you're just going crazy. This schedule gives you a chance at even maybe being talked about in that national playoff picture if you can win all those games and then win your conference decidingly. Because you have some Pac-12 teams here that aren't... They're they're good. Yeah, they're good. These are good top Pac-12 teams. And you win those games, and then you go on to win your division, or your conference, this is college (laughs) conference. Decidingly, like we did this year for most of the games, except for Wyoming and Colorado State, if you go undefeated, you have a chance at possibly... Ian talked about at least for the national play. I probably don't make it because you're San Diego State, but you get talked about as the undefeated team that beat Pac-12 teams as well. Yeah, you could. But another stat just from this past game, according to the San Diego State Athletic Department, Hashtag Football held Houston to its fewest points, 10 and total yards, 254 since August 29th 2014 at University of Texas San Antonio. So that's a shocking stat. But as John said, you know, if they win out in con- non-conference, they can roll. But the question is, how many players you losing? And we have calculated that, and it 12, is a lot. Twelve, right? 12 yes. seniors. I would say twelve to thirteen. So that's a big. Putting the all-time leading rusher, you got. You're losing the all-time leading interceptor.
1: at San Diego
0: State. You're losing Munson. You're losing KZ. You're losing Malik Smith. You're losing Alex Barrett. You're losing Austin Wyatt Thayer. Um, that's about it for the defense. But that's a huge percentage of the defense. On offense, you are losing your starting left tackle. You're starting left guard. He's an All-American in Nico Saragusa. You're losing your center, Arthur Flores. You're losing your right guard. So you're losing every single offensive lineman, but I believe the right tackle is a junior. So you're going to have to piece four new guys into that offensive line. And these offensive linemen that have been at State right now, they've been playing for a very, very long time. You know, give or take a transfer to These guys have been together four years. So it's going to be very hard to replace the chemistry that they have. And you're also going to lose Pumphrey. You know, that's the big one. But as I've been saying, you know, the Aztecs, they did a hell of a job recruiting Last year, and they got some badass wide receivers that can play ball. And it's going to be very interesting to see them play. And you know they're going to play. They redshirted this year, so they're going to be thrown in the fire next year. I expect to see a way more balanced offensive attack. For the Aztecs, they will have that deep threat. With Macklin, he is one of the best, fastest wide wide receivers I've seen. So he's definitely one of the guys to look out for. <coughs> and one of the coaches actually compared him to Megatron. So I thought, whoa, if we have that, that would be really good. And, you have and if we get Ray Agnew to start as well, and you have this mobile quarterback that's, like, impossible to contain with his speed that he has, the guy wow. has speed. The guy can run. I mean, we had he had one snap against Colorado State, and – he went all the way to the sideline, made a sharp turn and then kept running and outrunning every linebacker defensive back for like a 20-yard gain. Like the dude's got speed. That's going to make a lot of difference. What I really don't see them them changing out quarterbacks, man. Your starting quarterback, he's won two conference championships. He's won two bowl games. And what? He's won 11, he's won 13, he's 13 and 3 as a starting quarterback. No, that's not bad. He's won more bowl games, more conference championships than just about any quarterback that I can remember at San Diego State. So it's gonna be very hard to kick him out, and we have a few other really good quarterbacks too. So I wouldn't be be weird to say that we might see another quarterback converted to being a fullback like Nick Bodden was this year, or seeing one be converted to a wide receiver like Chase Favreau was. So it, it could be a possibility. Um, or we could see the Aztecs run a dual quarterback set next year. Yeah, I was about to bring that up, like how the University of Texas has done between Burleigh and uh, – oh, his name just slipped my mind, but they call, they have the 18-wheeler package where they bring a quarterback in and run like a wildcat. and Oh, Swoops. They bring swoops in, and he's a big quarterback guy that runs the 18-wheeler package where he can hand it off to a running back or he runs it himself and he just blows over people. You can have Agnew in the same type of thing where he uses his speed instead of power to run through holes and make plays and even maybe throw a ball up to the SDSU Megatron. Yeah, I could definitely see that considering we did bring in Ryan Agnew to run a play in the... Well, that's Vegas Bowl. That was pretty cool. But uh, I think we have talked enough about football. Um, I want to bring up the Nelson ratings. Is there anything else that you think we need to talk about about the game before we talk about TV ratings? I was actually about to ask you about the ratings, so you beat me to it, my friend. That is definitely a good thing, then. Because you know what they say, smart minds think alike, right? John Boy? Yeah, if only you were on my level of smartness, we'd be a lot better. <laughs> and so would the <laughs> Aztecs. <laughs> they wouldn't have lost three games. <laughs> um, so the San Diego State-Houston-Las Vegas Bowl had a 2.6 overnight rating on ABC. That is up 8% from BYU and Utah last year at 2.4, and then up 63% from Utah and Colorado State in 2014 at a 1.4. That was the highest bowl since Boise State and Washington on ESPN in 2012 at a 3.0. One big thing to notice for this game is the 2.6 was the highest rated non-NFL overnight of the weekend. Topping Kentucky versus North Carolina NCAA men's basketball. That garnered a 2.4. So that's about 3.4 or 3.5 million people that watch the game nationally. So that's not bad. Well, when you have a running back about to set a record, people tend to want to pay attention a little bit more. (laughs) Very, very true on that one. Um, Let's see if there's anything else. Related. I know there's this one post in the group that I wanted to talk about, if I can find it. I don't think I'm going to, but it was also about (coughs) the stats from that game. But I thought I thought that was huge. You know, shows a lot of people tuned in um, to watch the Aztecs play, and that says a lot. A lot of people are hectic about watching. The thanks. Okay, here we go. I found it now. Um, so, so, yeah, drew a 2.6 overnight rating. So that's an average audience of 3.744 million people. Um, now let's consider, let's keep going down here. Um, so of the four bowl games played Saturday, the SCSU Houston game attracted a 252% larger audience than any other bowl game played that day. According to Nielsen, the San Diego State-Houston game drew a 8.55 rating and a 23 share in San Diego. So that was 17% higher than the average rating of the second highest rated market, which was Houston. So that's pretty pretty much to say. Um, <coughs> so the monster rating for the Las Vegas poll comes on the heels of San Diego state Mountain West Conference Championship victory at Wyoming, which was the highest-rated college football telecast of the weekend in San Diego. Um, that drew a six point one seven local rating on ESPN, outperforming any SEC, Big Ten, or Pac twelve championship game in San Diego. That's huge, because normally Pac twelve in San Diego will out outgrow us. <coughs> The Mount West Championship game was the highest rated college football game on ESPN in San Diego this season. 30.4% higher than the second highest game, which was in Mississippi and Florida State. And 61.9% higher than the third highest rated game, UCLA versus USC. Garnering a 3.81 rating. (laughs) I see your eyes lighting up over there, John. What are you thinking? We beat out UCLA-USC by that much? Yeah, by two times. Oh, my God. That's like the two schools that dominate this area. Yeah. (laughs) Almost everybody wants UCLA or USC, and nobody cares about San Diego State unless you're actually a graduate or a diehard fan of them, which there's not really many diehard fans that aren't graduates. So let's continue with this, shall we? San Diego State game shown on ESPN, ESPN2 and ESPNU were the highest-rated college football games on any of those cable networks shown in the San Diego market during the 2016 season. So they beat out every single team in San Diego on those days on ESPN, ESPN2, or ESPNU. I would say San Diego is turning into an Aztec town. Slowly but surely. And that's all we need. So... That's it for those stats. You know, it's been a hell of a ride, a hell of a season. you have anything else that you want to say about the Aztecs 2016 season, as this is our Aztec season recap and bowl game recap show? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but after that Cal game, did you not feel like this team was invincible until so we played Wyoming? Yeah. But I knew the Wyoming game was going to be trouble because we both did, but bum, bum, after, bum After we lost the Wyoming game, Robinson. wasn't it like in the back of your head like, oh, God, we've kind of been exposed. Oh, what's the rest of the season going to look like? Yeah. Yeah, we could go there. You know, I was, me and John were the only ones in our group that were saying, ooh, Wyoming's beating Boise. Let's watch this game. Oh, shit. Wyoming beat Boise. Okay. Wyoming, they predicted Wyoming went over Boise. Wyoming is probably going to beat San Diego State. That's probably going to happen. And no one else believed us. Just like no one believed us that we were going to beat Cal, and we predicted that one, too. I, I predicted a win in Wyoming, and I thought they would pull it out, but we both said... This game is not going to be easy. This is probably the hardest game we've played all year and the probably most talented team we've played all year. And we almost won that game. We were a two-point conversion away from winning despite a poor offensive performance. So, John, it takes us back. Do you think that two-point conversion cost the Aztecs a Holiday Bowl? I mean, Cotton Bowl? Did that cost the Aztecs a chance at the Cotton Bowl? No, I think... It was. I still believe it's the right call. I think the poor offensive production that game cost us a Cotton Bowl. I mean, we were one reason we were able to score that touchdown at the end was because we had two kickoff returns for touchdowns by Penny and Washington. Without that, I mean, we probably are down twenty-seven to seventeen. We don't even. Tr- we're, we're down twenty-seven to ten, and we don't even try that last play. I would agree with you, but we could continue. And then we this. win that game we probably don't do as what we still believe is we pretty much gave away the Colorado State game we probably try it that game and I think we could win that game easily oh i definitely agree with you but it just comes down to if we if we make that two point conversion like if rocky maybe calls a different play what are we looking at are we sitting here wrapping up the season talking about a bowl victory or, bull loss in the Cotton Bowl. I, there's nothing to say that I wouldn't trade our bull victory to have played Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl and to have had Pumphrey break Rondane's record
1: against, against Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Was old team. I
0: was just about to say, how ironic would, would it be if we got the Cotton Bowl against Wisconsin and Pumphrey broke his record against the team Rondane played for? Man, I would trade anything in the world to see to have seen that. But man, we had a hell of a time in Vegas. It's been an amazing season. We're gonna start to slowly wrap this show up. So we're gonna start on offense. What was what is your offensive play of the year? Oh wow, well, you put me on the spot. I did not expect this coming. <laughs> uh, uh if you could pick one play, what is the offensive play of the year? Wow. Uh, I mean, i I probably have to go with Pumphrey breaking the record. I mean, I don't think you can get anything better than that. Pumphrey's 15-yard run to break the record. Hmm. I am going to say, now this is just mine. This is going to sound silly. But my offensive play of the year for the Aztecs was the Hail Mary at Wyoming.
1: I that thought was that, but then that play did nothing after
0: the two-point conversion failed. True, but I just think that was that was the most amazing catch I've seen out of the Aztecs all year. And I just didn't want to take the easy the easy answer of Pomperee's record breaking run. Well I mean if you think about it, that's like the, the one play that really stands out. I mean plays I loved watching were plays like penny breaking like five tackles and running for an eighty yard touchdown against Hawaii, you know. I love watching that type of stuff or Juan Washington breaking long touchdown runs, you know, but there's not really that one offensive play that sticks out that it beat the record-setting run. That is very true. But let's now go, what was your offensive drive of the year? Oh, boy. Offensive drive of the year. Uh, wow, you really know how to make hard questions, my friend. I was I was starting to prepare for the defensive play of the game, and then here comes offensive drive of the year. You, or you could just steal mine, Wyoming. Having to go 99.5 yards for the touchdown, if you had asked me at the beginning of the year, if we have the ball on the half-yard line, you have one minute, 35, 40 seconds to score, to send the game to overtime, we have Christian Chapman on the field. Would you take him to lead the team down in the field and score? I would have told you, hell no, you're crazy. <laughs> That's I, my I, drive. I really, I really want to pick that drive. But it just comes down to the fact that we still lost that game. But that drive, I, I would have to say that drive has to be it. Yeah. I mean, they pulled out a miracle just to even get in the end zone at the end of that game, man. And, That was pretty amazing. To me, the reason why that that is the drive of the season is because it really instilled in me, and I really believe it really instilled in the team, that they can do anything they put their minds to. If they are down and they have a minute 30 left, Chapman can take them to the promised land and he can do it. It's one thing having you and me providing BS commentary, just bullshitting back and forth, saying that it's going to happen. But to really legitimately see him do that, I think that is a is a drive, is a series that will make him a better quarterback for the rest of his time at San Diego State. Because he'll he'll know that if he has to do that, that he is fully capable of being able to <coughs> to drive down the field and do what needs to be done. <coughs> okay, John. Defensive play of the year. What is it? Uh I'd have to say Munson and Kelly combining for the sack on Josh Allen to steal the Mountain West Championship. Man, I should have known you were going to go there. Dude, like, that is my favorite play. That was my favorite play of the year. Like, I screenshotted the tweet I put when I was doing game updates for it, and I still have that screenshot of down goes Allen, Munson, and Kelly sink Allen's ship to steal the deal in the Mountain West Championship game. Damn, mine is a little bit different. Mine is a game from early on in the season, and I think you know exactly where I'm going to go with this one. Can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. Is it KZ tip pass against Cal? Yes, sir. KZ's interception seal the Essex victory against Cal. That was my play of the game. Hashtag Cal game. <laughs> you know, we've talked about that game all year. Um, again, last spring, had you said Essex would beat Cal, 45-40, to 40, I would have thought you're freaking nuts. And I want some of what you're on. Because didn't know in knowing how the, ch- the Essex have a chance to win a high-scoring affair against the Pac-12 school, man, we did it. So that was my defensive play of the year. But we predicted it on the podcast. That, that we week, did. we said we were going to win, and we were going to score a lot. So, we now go to the next. What is your pick return of the year? Oh, I have to say, Penny against Cal, keeping us in the game. You know, momentum starting to look a little bad. Cal's gaining some offensive momentum. They're catching up. They're getting their confidence, and there goes Penny. But I could also go with the little 40-yard return against Wyoming that set us up for good field position. I'm going with the 75-yard return against Wyoming in the title game. That's what I'm going with. Or 75-yard. Yeah, I, I don't could, know why I said 40. I could go with touchdowns, but no, nah, I think that was the that was more important. because yeah, that, that meant more know, I mean, As big as that Cal game was, without that kickoff return, we probably aren't even talking about that game right now because Cal was gaining momentum. They were starting to move the ball. They were gaining confidence. Their crowd was getting loud at our own stadium. And then, bam, kickoff return for a done, and their offense wasn't doing much after that. <laughs> so what is the punt of the year, John? And I think we both are going to go the same way on this one. What is the Tanner Blaine punt of the year? Feeling you you asked this question because you have a certain play that you really 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 like this year that you just wanted to mention. So go ahead and mention it. No, this is not a drop kick field goal because you didn't do it. My favorite punt of the year. Again, I'm going back to Wyoming for that 75 yard punt. That thing. That thing was it. a bomb. <laughs> Me and John could have freaking that lunch on that thing. That's how high that ball went. I knew you were going to go with that, man. You love talking about punts. I was hoping you would have gained some guts to yell at Tanner on the sideline at the Vegas Bowl to do the drop kick field goal, but you didn't. You <laughs> probably wouldn't have heard me had I yelled at him. But I did tweet him after the game, and I'm like, damn it, Tanner, you should have done the drop kick field goal. He started laughing at me. Did you see John Barron's tweet? I wish my grades were as good as my field goal percentage was this year. <laughs> so, John's leading us into that question. John, what was your field goal of the year? Is there even a field goal of the year? I'm going field goal of the year. I mean, I can't really think of a field goal of the year because most of our games were blowouts. Or field goals of the year, plural. Or field goal game of the year. I'm going Utah State. Well, yeah, if you go field goal game Field goal game. at the Utah State. But if you're talking about one field goal, I mean, there's not really that one field goal that sticks out to me because we, we didn't never not really had winner. that game-winning field goal game. We had games we were like Wyoming. We were up by ten and they scored, and we ended up stopping them on the next drive. But what else is there to what else is there to give out? We've already done what we could. We could do offensive line play of the year. Tackle of the year. <laughs> like, we could just go on and on with this game. But the Aztecs have one hell of a year, and I've run out of I things to say. game of the year, but you can't pick Houston, <coughs> Cal, or the Northwest Championship game. <laughs> well, then, that's easy. No game. Really? I'm not going to pick a game. If uh, I'd have to pick one, it would be beating Fresno State because they're our rival. Even though we only won 17-3. to 3. Against a really bad Fresno I'll team. I'll take it. I'll take it. We give up three points. Deal with it, Fresno. Uh, Fresno State, man. That, I couldn't even watch that game. That I, I had to watch it on a small screen, so I could barely see those little tiny runs of Pumphrey. Pumphrey's tiny already on TV. When he's on a small screen, it's like a little dot running amongst a bunch of blobs. Oh, I bet. Just watch that game. <laughs> Well, John, do you have anything else to say? Can we go on another road trip next year? <laughs> <coughs> if I don't have to work, we could try. It'd a ton of fun, dude. Like I, I couldn't believe I heard you say, "As long as I see Pumphrey break the record, I can die happy." I'm like, "No, man, we have to have the win. We didn't drive five hours just to watch one run, and then like, okay, <laughs> we didn't, screw, didn't let's drive ten out. hours." Don't watch one run. What? We didn't total 10 hours of driving for one play, did we? If we had lost, it would have been. <laughs> that would have been awful. Well, well we came all for just one for break the record. Okay, let's go home. <laughs> but it is what it is. So Aztec Domination Podcast, we've had a fun year talking Aztec football. We've had a fun time. Hanging out with you guys on Twitter, hanging out with you guys on Facebook, doing recap videos, highlight videos. But our time has come, and the Aztec football season for us is officially over. Let me ask you one thing, David. How many Aztecs will be drafted in the first round? (coughs) Damn you, man, with the hard questions. Yeah, know how I feel. I'm going to go with one. One. And I'm going to guess you're saying Saragusa. (laughs) Yes, Nico Saragusa. Interesting. And who do you think he goes to? I don't know. He goes, uh, I could guess, he's going to go between pick 15 to pick 20. To who, I don't know. Uh, And what round do you see Pumphrey being drafted? Three or four. Hmm. I expect to see Pumphrey going round three or four. I expect to see Munson going round three or four. I expect to see KZ going round three and four. I expect to see a bunch of other Aztecs going rounds three, four, and five. We have a ton of really good Aztec offensive linemen that I think will be drafted. But I do believe the first Aztec to be drafted in the 2017 NFL draft will be All American Nico Saragusa. Uh I have to sadly agree with you. I mean, I want Munson to be first off the board, but offensive line's more of a need in the draft this year for lots of teams, so I can see that happening. (laughs) That and Munson didn't pick up any All-American awards either, which he very well should have because he deserves them. Yeah, but he'll get the Shrine game where he gets to go in there and take people's heads off. Oh, trust us. He'll take people's heads off all right. And so will, our guys. <coughs> so will our guys in the Reese's game. See, John's doing this on purpose. He wants to make me cough more. He's making funny jokes. But as we said, this is the end of the Aztec Domination Podcast. But make sure to be back with us next week. And every week until the end of Med's basketball season for our Aztec Domination Podcast featuring Aztec basketball. John, do you have anything else to say before we end this show? No. Just good luck to all the seniors, man. Amen. Exactly as John said, good luck to all the seniors. Uh, you guys can follow us on SanDiegoSportsDomination.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at san Diego underscore sports. You can find me on Twitter at David furker. You can find John on Twitter. Or Facebook at my name, John Kegley. So make sure you look him up if you want to talk to him. Same with me if you want to talk to us about anything at Sports. And that is us signing off for the last time in 2016. We will talk to you all next year.